Grace. <laughs> the title of the sermon, Grace. What a wonderful thing it is. It goes along with the wonderful name that delivered it to us from heaven. Amen. This is an encouraging word. It's also a challenging word. It also expresses probably, you might sense, a, just a tinge of just a phrase of frustration from me. I'm just warning you ahead of time. Um, you, but you'll also, I believe, sense a great deal of gratitude to the Lord. All right? Now, all that being said, here we go. I love the grace of God. I love God. I love that God loved the world, you and me, so much that His grace sent Jesus. His grace sent Jesus. His Son to introduce us to that grace. He loved us so much that he surrounds us with a grace that transforms us into the image of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. He loves us so much that he surrounds us with a grace that transforms us into the image of Jesus. Don't you love his grace? Can't live without it. Don't you love him? Don't you love Him? His grace is a stimulant. It's way better than an opioid. How do you say that? Opioid. Yeah. We have all kinds of stimulants. Some are prescription, some are non-prescription. Some are within... The bonds of marriage, some are not. Some are chemicals, some are just thriller things like speed. Speed is a stimulant to some. To Kathy, up to a point. When she drives, it's fast. It's a stimulant, all right, from one stoplight to the next. Now, I'm right slow, slow, slow in that. But if there's a really, really great rock and roll song on the radio and we're on the highway, it's like she goes, she goes like this. She pats me on the knee. <laughs> That's true. And by the way, Ron, when you said about the junk and everything, man, she just elbowed me so bad on the side. I was like... We got plenty for you. I didn't appreciate that. I said, no, I'm kidding. Grace, man, grace, that's it. But there are a lot of things that the stimulate. There's a lot of things that bring us down. And then when we're down, sometimes we want something to stimulate us. So we, you know, we do a lot of different. Everybody does something different for some stimulation. If you're a little depressed, if you're a little, you know. But the Lord has given us his grace. As a stimulant. Are you with me? He's given us the Holy Spirit to take us from those places 
of depression and, and, and just hopelessness and everything to bring us to that place where we can have that joy because we love His grace and we love Him. And He will never fail us. He will never, ever leave us or forsake us. Y'all, we're leaving each other. We are in covenant. The name of our church is Franklin Covenant Church. I thought about changing the name to just church or maybe just Franklin or maybe just, you know what? I did think of this one. Love Church. Love Church. I mean, it's about love one another, right? Through His grace. It's not love like, you know, Woodstock. <laughs> Those of you who can remember. But what do they say about that generation? Or my generation? If you can remember it, you weren't there. <laughs> Wrong stimulant. You know? <laughs> Wrong stimulant. <laughs> this is not in my notes. Um, There are Christian marriages now, some in your family, who are using the grace of God to ignore the statutes of God. And will break covenant For the sake of their own selfish stimulation. This is a hard word. But I am seeing it more and more and more. And it's in the church. Can I tell you that God loves you so much. He loves me so much that he's trying to protect us. From the hell that we'll get when we disobey his guidelines. He wrote the book for a reason. He gives us grace to experience his perfect life. His perfect will. His perfect love. His perfect hope. But I'm telling you, we forfeit all of that when we disobey Him. Dang, John! We are being lulled into a... And I don't want to say, I want you to hear me now. We are being lulled into a false grace. Not the grace that we believe in and trust in and rely on and know. That's not the, that grace is awesome and wonderful and powerful. And there's forgiveness for everything. Everything. There's nothing so bad that there's not forgiveness for. And that's His grace. We were enemies. And He sent Jesus to redeem us or to bring us back into His family. That's grace. 
But it is not biblical grace to say, oh, you know what? It's okay. I'll divorce the husband or the wife. I'll just leave. I'll just leave my children and let them fend for themselves. I'll just leave my church that I've been a part of and who served me and been there when I was sick and been there when I was having trouble and been there and been on the phone with me and on and on and on. And I'll just go because it's more exciting somewhere else. That's not his grace. Now. I really don't want to take covenant out of there. But are we just mocking covenant? If we follow those kinds of behaviors, we are deceived. I'm telling you, we are deceived. And we will not reap what we want to reap. Instead, we will truly reap what we're sowing. And God's grace is sufficient, but it's not license. I do believe that the evil one is working overtime to suck us away from godly behaviors. Now, last Sunday, I preached emphatically that you are, I am, we are as believers, the righteousness of God. The very righteousness of God. So what are we doing with that? We are that. The old man is dead. But somehow we strap that old stupid dead dummy on our backs and we give it. Life. We give him life. The scripture says, Paul says, reckon it dead, not mostly dead. (laughs) Dead, dead, dead. Do not listen to that. See, we still have a choice to walk in the righteousness that we are or choose to ignore it. And you say no to God a little bit right here. And then you're here and you say no to God a little bit here. And then the still small voice speaks and you say, no, no, this is a little more exciting. No, I know it's not the way you said we're to live, but, you know, maybe just this once. No. No, and then it's like we ignore the fact that our dad is a righteous and holy God. We've got to quit doing that. And we have to have, and this is hard, this is really hard, but especially leadership. Anybody, everybody, I don't, I don't, I don't really differentiate that much except in function. We're all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. But we have got to get to the point where we can speak the truth in love. Now, I'm saying, if correction needs to be made, it needs to be made by a loving, a loving, covenant, 
humble person. And we develop those relationships as we walk together, as we have fundraisers. I hate that word. I'm like, I, I, there's some way to say we're working for this. You know, we're not just saying, give us some donations and, and stand in the water and say, well, we're going to do a car. You know what? I hate that. But I, I love it when these youth get out there and they work. They work. They're serving the tables. They're cooking the food. They're washing the cars. They're earning money. And I guess you can call that fundraiser. But the connotation, anyway, I'm just sharing my heart. Um, but, I mean, we use it because that's about the only word there is, the only phrase there is to use. But just let me um, just say that when you see fundraiser and it has anything to do with us, it means that somebody's working to make money to go do something. Okay? Are you with me? Yeah, let's have that understood. Everybody understand? Yes, yes. Okay. So, what are we going to do with this? How do we enjoy and embrace the grace of God? How do we understand and walk in the fact that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. When I say, listen, I'm not saying you get, ever get out of Jesus because he's in you and you're in him. And guess what? He'll never leave you or forsake you. OK, so but you if when you do something that is a no to God or God's direction or God's guidance, his his rhema word or his logos word. Are you with me? The written or the spoken in the moment word. The word for the moment or the word that's very clearly inscribed and is perfect. Now, when you say no to that, either one of those situations, then you are not behaving in Christ. Are you with me? You're behaving in your own kingdom. You're thinking your way is better than God's way. I'm thinking that I know more than you. You're way up there. You don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know my husband. Yes, he does. You don't know my wife. Oh, yes, he does. You don't know my boss. Oh, yes, he does. But I'm really afraid of him. Well... You know, I sent you a little letter that says, and God's not sarcastic. Um, he said, I sent you a little letter that says, perfect love casts out all fear. You know how you destroy your enemy? You make him your friend. I think it was Abraham Lincoln, some one of those guys. Anyway. I'm a little passionate about this. Just saying. Okay, finishing up the second paragraph. <laughs> His grace is a stimulant. It sends us into a place where we are the very righteousness of God. It gives us the power and impetus. Good word. The power and impetus to behave righteously. You hear that? It does. So it's a transformation to knowing who we are to living like we know who we are. It, it has to make that trip. 
It is powerful. I love it. I love him. It was so important to Paul the Apostle. Now, to those, most of you know who Paul the Apostle was, right? If you don't know, he wrote most of the New Testament. He just wrote letters. He, wrote, he just wrote a lot of letters. To the, to the churches, some that he started, most of he started, but that he had a relationship with. He had a po- apostolic oversight of these churches. And he wrote them letters. He connected with them, right? He actually called the, the elders of Ephesus to come over to another city to, to, because, you know, he actually was fixing to. Now that's another story. Um, but this, this Paul the Apostle, the follower of Jesus, that he began and ended many of his emails, <laughs> letters, with, quote, grace and peace, unquote. Do you ever notice that? Starts a man and ends them, most of them, with grace and peace be to you. Grace be multiplied to you. Multiplied to you. Who, who would agree with me that, God was, that Paul was a grace man? Woo! I, I'm, in, I'm in, yeah, I'm extremely Pauline. You know, I'm not Pauline. I'm John, but I'm extremely, I'm extremely John with Pauline bent. I don't, I don't know what I am. I'm, 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 I'm not going to say gender confused. No. Okay. See, that's not funny any. That, that's serious. That is so serious. The Lord, the Lord wants us not to be confused. Confusion comes from the enemy. And that confusion produces death. You can call me homophobic. I don't care. I just don't want people to miss all the glory that God has for us and who we are. And who he created us to be. Who he designed us to be. How we were born. All of that. I hear the IRS calling. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay. And all of this is ours and in abundance. In abundance. I wrote a text to somebody this week. And I said, it's really, it's, it's interesting because we try to win people. We try to influence people for the Lord, right? And everything. And so we, we... Involve ourselves in their activities if we're brave, right? We, we come alongside. We befriend those people. You know, Jesus was called what? Friend of sinners. Oh, my goodness. But we don't win people by being like them. We win them by being with them. But not like them. Right? How do you hold a standard... If you lower the standard, you can't. Okay. Man, y'all are getting like four or five sermons. But it's really not going to be that long. What? Back to the text. My wife is patting me on the knee. (laughs) Oh, and all of this is ours and in abundance. Plenty of it to go around. He never runs out of grace. I've seen some abuses of grace because of misunderstanding and selfishness. Paul had to address it, and I will this morning. I see a trend in marriages and church covenant that is a little disturbing. I've already said that. People leave a marriage for the most insignificant reasons. I'm going to say that again. 
insignificant reasons. There are reasons that are biblical. No other reason is significant. And he only did that because he knows our weakness. I believe that. His idea is when you make a covenant, you keep it. That's the God we serve. You either love him and love all that about him, or you're making a deal with God, hello? What? Let's make a deal. (laughs) Really? This is the God who made you. He can snuff you like a bug. But he's chose to send his very own son to redeem you, to be a part of his family. But you don't make deals with God. He sets all the parameters. He sets all the parameters. And we either walk in his ways and reap the benefits, or we choose our own ways. What? And reap those benefits. The wages of sin is, those benefits are death in some shape, way, shape, or form. Now, people have a, uh, in many cases, believers are switching church communities, covenant communities, for a variety of puzzling reasons. Listen to some scriptures about the abuse of grace, mostly selfish, always very unwise. Now, I want us to grasp the reality, the fact that this is nothing new. Okay? Right? Right? Paul addressed it early on. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is the New American Standard. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies A living and holy sacrifice. Now that's a stark contrast to most sacrifices are dead animals, right? But this is a living sacrifice. We are a living sacrifice. The problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. For those of you who haven't heard it. Watch this. Present your bodies. That means it's your choice to present, right? Right? Present your bodies. That means everything about who you are, what you do, what you, you know, what you do with your thoughts. A living sacrifice acceptable to God. Watch this. I love this in the New American Standard, which is your spiritual Service of worship. Now I want to contrast that. Oh, and do not be conformed to this world. Oh, oh. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may, watch this, you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable And perfect. In Isaiah, this is, to me, it's very interesting in contrast with being a sacrifice to him 
having that spiritual service of worship, being that spiritual service of worship and proving the will of God. In Isaiah 29, 13 and 14, this is in the message paraphrase. These people make a big show of saying the right thing. But their hearts aren't in it. Because they act like they're worshiping me, but don't mean it. When we break covenant, no matter what kind it is, I mean, no matter what, in, in, in no matter what arena it may be, when we break covenant, when we say, God, I know better than you, we crawl, our living sacrifice crawls off the altar. And we may say the right things. We may do some great service projects. We may give, you know, to a really good charity. We may go on a Nicaraguan mission trip. But he's, he, you know, he wants our heart. And then he wants the righteousness of God to be walked out because it's in our heart. Because they act like they're worshiping me, but don't mean it. I'm going to step in and shock them awake. Astonish them. Stand them on their ears. The wise ones who had it all figured out will be exposed as fools. The smart people who thought they knew everything will turn out to know nothing. I don't want to be in that camp. Romans 6, 1 through 16. You're still going to beat the Baptist to the restaurant. (laughs) Romans 6, 1 through 16 in the message. Now watch this. This is how Paul deals with this. This thing. And this is what we do with grace. When we take the grace and we we, we don't respond to it correctly the way that God intended for us to respond. Then this is the kind of trouble we get into. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving. And really, if you. I want to encourage you to go back and read what precedes this and then what follows. It's powerful. I should hope not. I should hope not. You know, heaven forbid. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? That's a pretty, pretty good picture, isn't it? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? For good and forever good. That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace. Yes! A new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. And when we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. I love the way he words stuff. 
We see where we're going in our new grace. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Jesus, a decisive end to the sin, miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. The end of death is the end. Isn't that great? Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. Man. I lay me down. Mm. Sin cannot, death cannot hold you. I just love this. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. Listen to this. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. And you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. You know, just nutshell it right there. You are dead. To sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. Did. And that's what he does. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. All of us have had thoughts. Of stupid. You know, I like to say that. Two worst words in our home were stupid and damn. If mama said damn, oh, you. It was serious. My brother one time said something was really awry. And, you know, not on target and everything. And he was just a little kid. So the two worst words he knew, and he said, Mom, that's stupid and damn. (laughs) When we listen to those voices, when we listen to those thoughts, which we all have weird thoughts. I don't know about you, but I'll admit it. I have some weird thoughts. And they're contrary to the Word of God. Let me just say We can't help that. You can help it a little bit by not exposing yourself to stupid. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But it's on billboards. It's you know, it's even in the advertisements at a football game. On a football game, you know, like a Super Bowl. It's like that's stupid. That's not godly. (laughs) That's not godly. The way those girls are doing that, that's not godly. Just saying. I don't know about. Parents who are thrilled about their girls doing that kind of stuff. But anyway, and really proud. You know, it's like, yeah, my girls. But anyway, um, you know, gotta say, don't flirt with that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Don't rub up against it. When those thoughts come, we are told and instructed in the Logos Word to say, no. We are to take that thought. Captive to what? 
the Lord Jesus or the Word. The, you know, Jesus is the Word. He's the Word made flesh. He's, are, are you with me? Well, we do it intentionally. And James talks about it. See, we entertain it. You know, it's like, hey, maybe that's not so bad. Maybe just a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. Oh, she deserves it. She deserves it. Or he deserves it. Well, guess what? We all deserve hell. You know, I mean, let's just bottom line it. Sir? Absolutely. He's over that and he's offered us a better way. He's offered us a better way. So here we go. Y'all guys getting anything out of this? So now I have to find where I am. Kathy, pat me on the knee. That, I love this. I'm over, Yeah, 13. Don't even run little errands that are connected to that old way of life. <laughs> Don't even run a little errand. Just, like, just you know, hold on, Lord. I'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> you hold that thought. <laughs> I hope this doesn't sound condemning, y'all. This is life freeing throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time remember you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things into God's way of doing things yeah but he's going to ruin all my fun baloney he's going to save you from death and give you a life that's more exciting than you could ever imagine if you want it can be crazy exciting if you're willing to take the chance I'm saying, just saying. Hmm. I like the don't give sin a vote. I think that one's pretty good. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny, great word, any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. In the freedom of God. So, since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Thank you. Since we're free in the freedom of God, we can do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. Or may it never be. Or heaven forbid. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Y'all, that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. That's a little extreme. But it's good. But offer yourselves a living sacrifice. I lay me down. I'm not my own. To the ways of God. And the freedom never quits. I'm just going to clap about that one. (laughs) Ooh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your lives, all your lives. You've let sin tell you what to do. Well, that's, that's it. That, leave that one off. But he goes on and on. I mean, this is a, a, a long dissertation and it's really good. But I, I really encourage you to, to read the, the preceding uh, chapter and verses and, and also complete this verse. It's really, really good. 
First Peter 2.16 You are free from the law. But that doesn't mean, this is uh, the Living Bible, it doesn't mean you are free to do wrong. I'm going to read it again. You are free from the law, but that doesn't mean you are free to do wrong. Live as those who are free to do only God's will at all times. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, you are amazing. Your grace is amazing. Your mercy baffles us, overwhelms us. Your grace has taught us to say no to ungodliness. And yes, to your love and freedom and joy, unspeakable, full of glory. God, we give you praise. We are grateful. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, lead us in the paths of righteousness, which is who we are, for your namesake. And for our own spiritual and physical well-being and health and hope and joy and peace. We thank you. Lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.